You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to their fantastic episode of Talking Time Wars. This is episode number 35, Destiny of the Daleks Story Review. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Doctor <laughs> Daleks. You missed the cue, man. You were supposed to say your ultimate demise uh. <laughs> your ultimate demise ultimate oh, defeat no, extermination <laughs> oh no we talked about that last time oh. <laughs> remember yes i do remember that line now i think that's my favorite line from the episode <laughs> and everyone else is going what are you talking about well you will find out here shortly um we are wrapping up our fourth Doctor series of Dalek episodes with this episode, Destiny of the Daleks. But before we jump into the story arc itself, we had a couple of quick news items we wanted to get to. Uh, according to Peter Capaldi, uh, the new companion for Series 10 has been cast. And that is all we know. <laughs> there are some rumors and speculation. Um, if you want to read about some of those, we have some posts about that on our Facebook page. Yes. So, uh, But nothing is confirmed as to who it is or what it is or if it is a human at all. No, not no, really. Nope. We just know someone <laughs> or something has been cast. Uh, <laughs> another quick note. Uh, Michelle Gomez has been nominated for a BAFTA award for her role as Missy uh, for Series 9 of Doctor Who. So we want to give a quick congratulations to uh, Michelle Gomez's nomination, and we hope to see a win come out of this, because that would be cool, because Doctor Who needs more awards. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll award her with the laser screwdriver. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Well. Well, we've not seen her use it, so. Yeah, well, that's true. We, I'd love to see what would happen if she didn't win and Missy showed up. <laughs> mm. 
I can imagine a lot of mayhem and destruction. <laughs> and finally, uh, on another cool note, uh, Doctor Who breaks a world record at Comic-Con in Mexico. With 492 Doctor Who fans dressed up as Doctor Who characters, they have set a world record for largest gathering of people dressed as Doctor Who characters. I don't uh, care where you're from, that's cool. That is cool. <laughs> uh, and it that is in the Guinness Book of World Records blockbusters uh, book, which deals with uh, TV, music, film, toys, and all that sort of thing. And apparently, uh, apparently, Peter Capaldi was directly involved with all of that too. Yes, uh, this this gathering was in Mexico at the convention there to celebrate uh, the premiere of series nine on the uh, Sci-Fi Channel there in Mexico. So Peter Capaldi was there at the convention to help celebrate that, and they got the world record at Comic Con in Mexico City there to break that record again. Four hundred ninety-two. Doctor Who fans in costume. You know, in a way, I feel sorry for them because they're just now getting to see season nine. Mm. But in a way, I'm a little jealous because they don't have to wait as long <laughs> for season ten. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe they will. Maybe, maybe it'll take them that long afterwards to get series ten. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, I, I guess it could. It could. <laughs> wow. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, there you go. Rapid fire news segment. Pew, pew, pew. All right. Um, <laughs> cause that actually sounds cool. Insert Dalek sound effects here. Pewing. Anyway, let's get back to what we're really here for today. We are going to be reviewing Destiny of the Daleks. Spoilers. This was the first story of season 17 of Doctor Who, and it was aired September 1st through 22nd in weekly increments, four episodes in 1979. Uh, written again by the creator of the Daleks, Terry Nation. Paul, before we get into the plot details, uh, Overall thoughts of Destiny of the Daleks. I like it. It's not my favorite. I, I like a lot of things in it. But there are certain aspects of it that feel like they were written for the sole purpose of a, an opportunity just to bring back one character. Okay. You know. Possibly. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Overall thoughts for me. This is... This is sort of a sentimental favorite of mine. It's not my favorite of, of Tom Baker's Dalek episodes. I do think I like Genesis of the Daleks more. But it does have sort of a, a sentimental, slightly nostalgic uh, place in my, my heart. Because it's the first ever Doctor Who DVD I bought when I first started collecting the Doctor Who DVDs. About three years ago? Something like that? Yeah. Um, my collection has... Uh, well, let's just say it's gotten rather large. I should probably post a picture of it on my on our Facebook page, uh, <laughs> just so everyone can see how obsessive I have become with this thing. Uh, you I... know you just want to make me feel bad about how puny mine is. <laughs> no, no. I, I literally... It's like, money. 
must go to <laughs> Doctor Who DVDs. And it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think now I own all of the released classic Doctor Who Dalek story arcs. Nice. I, I got the Space Museum and the Chase DVD through BarnesandNoble.com with a coupon. And I believe that is all of the released uh, Doctor Who Dalek story arc DVDs now that I own. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. So next you're going to start on... Cybermen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got it planned out. Uh, Cybermen <laughs> are next. Uh, <laughs> but all that to say is Destiny of the Daleks was the first Doctor Who uh, DVD I ever bought. And so it's got sort of a, a slightly nostalgic place in my, my little Whovian heart. But other than that, I, I like the episode. It's a fun little episode. It's it's a bit more lighthearted than Genesis of the Daleks, uh, which I like. But I think Genesis of the Daleks carries more weight with it, as we obviously got uh, into quite a bit uh, last episode. <laughs> but I, I think we should start jumping into some of the details here. We are introduced to a new companion with this episode. We have bid our farewell to... Oh gosh, I almost called him Ian again, and that's not it. Uh, it it's no. it's uh, Harry, <laughs> Harry Sullivan. Uh, he's he's been gone for a little bit. He he's left to rejoin Unit, uh, oh, and oh. we did bid farewell, a fond and sad farewell to Sarah Jane, uh, about a season and a half later. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that at some point. Uh, yes, that that was a bittersweet episode. It was. It was. Um, <laughs> But our, our our new companion is Romana, and we have jumped so far ahead in time that we are seeing the introduction of what is, in Doctor Who lore, uh, called Romana 2, uh, yeah. the second regeneration of Romana. We, we had Romana uh, in season 16 during the Key to Time storyline that was going on. Uh, the original version of Romana, and apparently at the very end of that, I have not seen the final storyline of that season. I own it now, I just haven't had a chance to sit and watch it. But at the end of that, she is um, ends up needing to regenerate. And so apparently season 17 picks up right where season 16 left off, because the Doctor has installed a randomizer to uh, escape from the Black Guardian who was the villain of the Key to Time series and they're using it for the first time and Romana is still finalizing her regeneration. That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Before we jump into into what that means um, real quick, what is your opinion of Romana? I love Romana. I think she's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) she's one of my favorites still to this day you know i would say she is in my top three or four cool because you know our favorites tend to rotate out a little bit every so often a little little bit canine's Uh, always been my number one though of course he's (laughs) he's amazing do you prefer romana one or romana two actually i prefer romana two okay yeah but not because i dislike Romana 1, it's because I saw the most episodes with Romana 2 in them. Yeah. When, well, was she's, it... Romana 2, Romana stays on for like three seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Romana 1 is in 
Uh, the first one and the Romana 2 has got two seasons. And uh, Romana 1 was played by Mary Tam, and Romana 2 is played by Lala Ward. And I don't know, I go back and forth between which one I like better. Because sometimes I thought the the humor between the Doctor and Romana 1 was a little bit snappier. Yeah. But then Romana 2 gets these sort of comeuppance moments where she's like, <laughs> no, Doctor, that's completely false. It's like this. And she proceeds to do it. <laughs> and so I, I go back and forth as to which one I like better. Um, yeah, we, we get one of those moments at the end of this episode. We'll talk about it later. Yes. I have a real nostalgia for Romana 2 because she was sort of my companion when I first started watching the show. She was the one that I saw the most of and the one I remembered the most about. I remember her specifically from being a kid, and I remember uh, Adric from when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, specifically, if that gives you an idea of the era that I first started watching the show in, you know. Gotcha. Um, but I do remember a few episodes with Romana 1, but not very many. Um, and when I first started watching the show, I did notice a different actress at one point <laughs> with the same name. And I was like, well, I guess they just recast the character, you know, because of, you know, whatever reason. I didn't realize at that point that she had regenerated, you gotcha. know. And. I like I said I did for I never even realized the doctor was going to regenerate until he regenerated from the fourth doctor into the fifth doctor and just absolutely blew me off the face of the map you know and I was going, <laughs> what what you know <laughs> and yeah and so that you know I didn't even realize that Romana had regenerated until I was an adult you know gotcha all right but well, I let... love love the regeneration. Uh, sequence in this yeah. it's so funny well let, let's jump into it uh, the doctor of course is has utilized the randomizer to take off and to elude the black guardian he's affixing k9 and is working on his brain and apparently has noticed the k9 has um laryngitis <laughs> which he says is pointless what why yeah. would you have any need for laryngitis <laughs> um when Princess Astra walks in. Now, Princess Astra is a character from the previous story arc, uh, the end of uh, the Key to Time uh, storyline, except it's not actually Princess Astra. Yeah. It's, Ro it's Romana in her body, or at least regenerating in her body. And uh, the doctor goes, Princess Astra, what are you doing here? And she says, regenerating. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, but you can't regenerate. Only Time Lords regenerate. <gasps> Oh, and she gives him this look. He's like, oh, you can't do that. You can't just walk around wearing copies of people's bodies. He gets really yeah, kind of... Because he doesn't do it in the future, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe this is what gives him the, the uh, comfortability to do that in the future. Um, because the sixth doctor is a copy of a, of a Gallifreyan that he met on, yeah. on Gallifrey during the fifth doctor run. And, of course, we've got uh, Peter Capaldi, who the Tenth Doctor ran across in Pompeii. So... Exactly. <laughs> See, that, you know, having that foreknowledge and watching this scene made that 
comment twice as funny for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, so the doctor tells her to, to go try something else. So she comes back several times with different bodies. Uh, the first one's too short. He tells her to lengthen it. The second one is um, some sort of Viking warrior queen of some sort. And he's like, no, thank you. Not today. <laughs> and then there's like this really tall, like, Greek woman. And he's like super tall. He goes, take it away. <laughs> And finally, he, he's like, no, you, you got to have something with style and, and, and uh, nothing too outlandish. And so then Romana <laughs> walks in wearing the exact coat and scarf and hat that he wears. And he goes, there, there you go. That's perfect. And he takes the hat off and it's Princess Astra's face again. <laughs> and he goes, oh, fine. <laughs> but get out of that ridiculous costume, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but I heard a person talking about this scene. And I thought it was so funny because they said every time they watch this scene, they just get this image in their mind of Ramana walking into the other room, shooting herself in the head and then regenerating into a different body. <laughs> oh, God, that's violent. I didn't need that. <laughs> course you know with the knowledge we have now of the doctor's regeneration cycles and all this kind of stuff we we know that while he's still in that regeneration process he can alter things or change things or regrow a hand or yep. you know, whatever as long as the cycle's not ended so right. we know now why this was able to take place the way that it did but back then when you're watching this you're sitting there going how is she doing that <laughs> you know <laughs> It's a trick only time ladies can perfect. Only time ladies that graduated at the top of their class can perfect. So the doctor barely graduated, remember. Oh. <laughs> she made, Romana 1 made sure to point that out to him very early on. While um, we're on the subject of uh, regeneration, costumes, etc. Did you notice the doctor's scarf was different? in this episode than what it has been in the past. It's gotten a little bit more patchwork. The reason I'm asking is because I noticed this and it kept bothering me and I kept going, why is this different? So I went back, I went online and I looked it up and I found an article that shows all of the different types of scarves that the fourth doctor wore and how to make them. <laughs> And what I found out was, uh, this is actually the second incarnation of the Doctor's scarf before he changes into the final incarnation of his scarf that he has before he regenerates again. And what this is, that when they first made the scarf initially, <clears throat> they had what you'd call a hero scarf mm -hmm. that was made first. And then they had what they called the stunt scarf, which was basically a copy of the original scarf that was supposed to be made for, you know, stunt work and things like that, so that if it ever got damaged, they would still have the hero scarf in place to be able to use and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Well, because Tom Baker was so rough on the scarves, both of them ended up getting damaged to the point to where they finally said, 
you know what? We don't want to throw these away, but we really don't feel like making new ones. So we're going to take the two and combine them together into one super long scarf. Yep. <laughs> so they, yep. they hacked the damage part off of the ends of each one of them. And they wove the, the two together on the ends and made this super long scarf. So now the doctor's scarf is... I think they said it was like 18 feet long or something like that. <laughs> I believe you know, it. Where the original initial scarf was like the one that you and I have. It was the 13 foot, you know, scarf. And this one is so long that he, he now has the ability to have this long loop that hangs down in the front of his body and still have these really long side pieces that hang down too. So he doesn't have the problem that he had before where he has to unloop it from his neck whenever he's running around and stuff to keep from strangling himself if he steps on it. Because if he steps on this one, it's just going to pull and it's he's okay. But he's got... I love this version of the scarf. I mean, I literally, I look at this and I'm going, you know, I think I want to buy another one and stitch them together. <laughs> <laughs> because I love how long this thing is, you know. It's uh, just, but, yeah, it's like 18, 19 feet long. It's and... gotten absurdly <laughs> long at this yeah. point. And then I think the, the last <laughs> one is, is just as long, I think, um, if not longer. I mean, yeah. his red and his red and purple one, I think, is is also yeah. around the same length, if not longer. It's it's absurdly long. But this um, is my favorite incarnation of his scarf because it's just so long, you know. Yeah. And and uh, especially with me being a little bit bigger guy and everything, I would love to have that extra length to where I don't have to worry about it being too short if I want to loop it around my neck or something, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how it happened. They took the stunt scarf and the the original scarf, and which were clones of one another, and they stitched them together, or, yep. or you know wove them together to make one big long scarf. So there you go. A little bit of uh, <laughs> Doctor Who trivia for you, folks. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fun. You know? It is. It is. I think I ran across that a while back, and you telling the story reminded me of it. Of course, Romana, who, who's now dressed in essentially a, a copy of yeah. the Doctor's outfit, except in pink, color. except in pink and uh, with a white scarf. That's a little bit of a better fit for her than the Doctor's is for him. Uh, <laughs> well, hers is super long too now. It is know. long. I mean, but 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 her her coat and everything fits yeah. better for her than the doctor's coat fits him. Uh, she's got a little bit more of a sense of style. Now, isn't the this the does. second coat the doctor's had as the fourth doctor? Oh, it's at least the second. Um, and he's got his he's got his tall boots in this too. Yep. Yeah. So. And he's lost the under sweater and so mm -hmm. it, this is a stripped down version of the doctor's outfit here. This is uh, kind of my favorite outfit that the fourth doctor had i think this is what i remember him having the most when i yeah. was a kid i like this coat i like this coat a lot it's hard to find one of these coats which is why i've got the the red one for my cosplay mm -hmm. his, his uh red his first coat because um, i found that i was like oh great is this one of those ones you'd have to have specially made or i probably would um mm -hmm. unless i want to pay a lot of money for mm -hmm. something similar but <laughs> Continuing on, uh, the TARDIS has landed thanks to the randomizer on a random planet, and they don't know exactly where they are. 
when they open the, the view screen to find out where they are, they see rocks. And the doctor goes, oh, look, rocks. <laughs> but they decide to go exploring to find out where they're at. It's They stumble upon a an abandoned city. There's this strange rumbling underground that appears to be some sort of underground drilling of some sort, which the doctor jokingly surmises is an underworld dentist. Um, <laughs> and they also see a group of ragged-looking natives, is what the, the website calls them, uh, burying one of their dead. And they're like, well, what's going on here? And the doctor finds that the person that they've just buried under is essentially a pile of rocks because they don't have the time or the wherewithal to dig a grave is someone from the planet Cantra, which is a tropical paradise. And they're like, well, what, are he, what, is, what are he doing here? And it's then that they see a spaceship land. And of course, being the not curious <laughs> doctor that he never is, um, they decide to go... <clears throat> find out what's going on and they do go to to welcome these new arrivals to the planet uh the spaceship is interesting because as it lands the lower portion of it begins to rotate and basically burrows a hole in the ground uh so that only the top of the spaceship is visible uh it's sort of a protection slash disguise at the same time because once it's it's buried enough it just looks like a building yeah it sort of looks like a ground station and so they're going to go investigate and welcome them when there's a, a succession of underground explosions that start popping up around them. And they take off back towards the abandoned city to stay ahead of these explosions. And they surmise that the underground drilling is responsible for this. They, they decide to try and find a way down under the city to, to investigate what's going on with all this drilling. The doctor has an uneasy feeling that he's been here before, but he can't put a finger on it. Uh, they go into the the abandoned uh, ruined city and they start poking around uh, when another drill-induced tremor happens and some rubble falls on the doctor, trapping him. He's, he's not hurt, but he can't get out from under this pillar. <laughs> she asks him, are you okay? And he says... I don't know. I can't see the rest of me. (laughs) (laughs) And so while the doctor makes himself comfortable with a book, uh, Romana runs back to the TARDIS to try and get K-9 to help remove said rubble. Unknown to Romana, however, as she's making her way back to the TARDIS, uh, someone is following her. And we are unsure as to who this person is. At first I was wondering if maybe he was uh, a Muto. Mm. First time I watched it. Uh, and and I, what, the first time I watched this uh, particular story arc, I watched it immediately following Genesis of the Daleks, the one we just got finished talking about on the last episode. And so everything that was in Genesis of the Daleks was really fresh on my mind when I was watching this one. Mm-hmm. So there were clear things about each one that I noticed very strong similarities and what eventually became distinct differences to me in the two uh, because they were not intended to be watched back to back. They were intended to be watched a year or two apart so that you wouldn't have that very 
immediate contrast between the two. Right. The Doctor is quite entertained reading a book called The Origins of the Universe by Ulan Kolufid, uh, which is a reference, I believe, to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, it is. <laughs> of course, he, he opens the book and reads the first page, and he's like, oh, got it wrong on the first line. <laughs> so he's greatly entertained by reading this book. He looks up and sees a trio of silver-haired humanoids in these white jumpsuits with these pink cone-shaped guns trained on him. When I when I first saw these these characters, uh the first thing that popped into my head was um the Bangles video walk, walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's funny. Uh, they're odd. They're odd. And we'll find out more about why they're odd later. They look like something out of a Madonna video. Yeah. Because their hair is essentially a mop. Well, it looked like silver wire to me, but... With beads at the end. And it looked um, like someone had stuck a mop on their head. I, I, I think knowing what we find out about them later i think this was actually intended to be metallic hair probably by the time romana gets back to the tardis uh, a tremor has caused a you know cascade of rocks and rubble to fall down in front of it and she can't remove it by herself so she heads back to the doctor still being followed by the time she gets there the doctor's gone he has apparently been taken by this this trio of odd people <laughs> uh, we'll find out more about them later. But as Romana is trying to find where the doctor went in this room, the man who's been following her enters the room as well. And they have this sort of awkward, uneasy standoff because Romana has no idea what his intentions are. And he's not really responsive. She's backing away from him and falls down a chute down to a lower level and gets knocked unconscious. The doctor is on the spaceship that they saw land with the Movellans. That's what these humanoids are called. Uh, he thanks them for helping and asks their commander, whose name is Cheryl, what planet they're on, because he's not entirely certain. And Cheryl ra rattles off a collection of numbers and letters, and the doctor says, oh, I'm old-fashioned. What's its name? Scaro. Oh, the doctor suddenly begins to realize what's going on. It, it lets you know, too, that it's been a long enough period of time since he's been there that there's there's been enough of a change to the planet to make him not immediately recognize it. This story takes place on Scaro, um, obviously after Genesis of the Daleks, because that was the origin of the Daleks. Mm -hmm. It takes place after uh, the first Doctor story, the Daleks, and after, I'm assuming, uh, is it Power of the Daleks, or is it Evil of the Daleks, where uh, the second Doctor goes on to Scarrow? Uh, I think it's Evil of the Daleks with the, uh, the Dalek Emperor. I um, believe, personally, that it happened after every Dalek episode that we've gone over for the first three Doctors. Yes, it does. But those are the only ones I was thinking of that had Scarrow in them. Mm -hmm. So, this is the farthest in the future that we have seen the Daleks at this point, and the farthest in the future we've seen Scarrow. 
and Scaros seems to be recovering slightly yeah, in some areas. That's what I was going to say. Fallout. There's actually a few places where there's actually grass and stuff now. There weren't before. Right. There, there's not... The nuclear fallout is fading somewhat. There's still uh, higher than normal radiation, but it's not as deadly as, you know, back with the, the Daleks episode. Of course, the Daleks have already learned how to... Uh, overcome their dependency on the radiation anyway so right romana regains consciousness and continues down this this lower level path because she's hearing uh a drilling noise coming from the other side of the wall uh the wall starts vibrating violently and she backs away from it and suddenly daleks burst through it it shatters as the daleks burst through the wall And, you know, they start yelling, do not move, do not move, you're our prisoner, do not move. And it's like, okay, I get the point. And that's where the first episode ends. <laughs> it's, is... it's one of the more dramatic entrances of yeah. the Daleks uh, in a story arc yet. This is also uh, the first time that Romana has ever seen a Dalek up close and personal. She's heard of them, she knows about them, knows who they are, but she's mm-hmm. never interacted with them up to this point. Right. Uh, the the Daleks threaten to exterminate her, of course, and take her away for questioning. The, the man that has been following Romana was going to come down the chute to try and rescue her, but was too late and has seen the whole thing. The Mavellans tell the Doctor that they are on Scarrow waging war against the Daleks and that the Daleks have some sort of renewed interest in Scarrow and they've been sent to find out why and to stop the Daleks. Romana is being interrogated by the Daleks uh, with this uh, is what essentially amounts to a lie detector test but it's yeah. a lot more advanced. They determine that she is not a threat <laughs> because she doesn't know anything and therefore is sent to work in a labor party. They even specifically said that her only value was to work in the labor camps. Yeah. I forget what level it was, but it's they completely, you know, disregarded her as a level any... level 9, I think. Yeah. <laughs> she's completely unthreatening. Uh, and so the only good she's for is for working in the labor camp. If if they only knew. <laughs> right. The Movellans have captured someone and are bringing them into the ship. And the man who they have captured is the man who is following Romana and identifies himself as Starship Engineer Tyson and was captured by the Daleks two years ago. And he's been used as a slave for drilling as part of a search operation. He doesn't know what they're searching for because the Daleks don't share that information with them. He tells the Doctor what's happened to Romana, and the Doctor insists that they go rescue her. Because, you know, that's what the Doctor does. The interesting thing is, the Doctor pulls Tyson away from the Movellans for a little bit to try and get a few more details out of him, quietly and separately, But it appears that the Movellans have heard everything he's said. And he's a bit surprised and wary of this. He has an idea of what's going on with the Movellans, but he's not nailed it all down yet. Right. So as a, the Doctor, Tyson, and 
three Movellans, uh, the commander Cheryl, a female named Agella, and then another man named Lan, set out to go rescue Ramana. She has arrived at the work party, uh, who they're saying that basically they, they've been survivors of, of attacks by the Daleks, raids by the Daleks, and that their only purpose is to basically clear away the rubble that has been generated by the enormous drilling machines so the Daleks can continue to drill farther along towards their objective. Romana starts to get weaker due to radiation sickness, and before long, she collapses and is seemingly dead. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh, yes. As the Doctor, Tyson, and the Movellans continue on back towards the abandoned city, which the Doctor believes holds the key to gain access into the Daleks' command center, they see a grave, a new grave, next to the one that the Doctor saw earlier. And the headstone reads Romana. And of course, he you know, starts removing the rocks quickly and frantically when Romana steps up from out of the shadows. And he looks up and says, Oh, Romana, huh, I thought you were dead. You know, <laughs> can you believe it? You know, you know, that sort of thing. Like, oh, ha, 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 that's funny, isn't it? And she explains that she feigned her own death in order to escape because if she had just gone and escaped, the Daleks would have killed prisoners until she returned. Well, the, the thing that I thought was kind of dark and, and creepy about this whole scenario is that the Daleks basically left her laying there on the ground until the work shift was over and wouldn't let anybody dispose of the body. They just left her laying there like trash, yeah. you know, and it, that's kind of messed up. It messed know? up, yes. <laughs> that, that's not cool. No. <laughs> The the doctor leads the, the small group into the Dalek control center, and they start examining the maps and where the Daleks are trying to get to. They're trying to get to sub-level 3. Uh, the doctor initially thinks, oh, I think I know what the Daleks are after. You know, he gets this idea, oh, yes, and Cheryl goes, what is it? And the doctor goes, oh, no. No, never mind. That idea is too extreme even for the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. On the way out of the command center, Lon gets shot and uh, apparently killed. They go back to where the doctor believes there is a shaft that will give them quicker access down to level three that the Daleks don't know about. And when he Cheryl asks how he knows about this shaft, he goes, oh, call it previous local knowledge. He basically said that they can go to level four and then tunnel back up into level three, right? <laughs> yes. Rather than dig their way down through level one and level two to get to level three, which is what the Daleks are doing. Right. And uh, they do this. They get to level three and they start exploring. And the doctor goes, I, if what I think the Daleks are doing is correct, it'll be this way. And honestly, I don't think that he had completely figured every bit of this out because i think that he knew what they were going after but i don't think he really understood why no not yet you know he hadn't discovered the why yet i think maybe he was thinking that they were looking for either genetic material or technology or something that they could harvest 
I don't think that he really had figured it all out yet at this point. Probably not. But the Doctor does discover what the Daleks <laughs> are digging for. They come into this room, and there in the center, apparently still in a death-like state, sits the hunched and shriveled figure of Davros. And he looks exactly the same as he did before, except for the dirt and the dust and the cobwebs. Yes. <laughs> uh, suddenly there is a loud cracking noise, and it appears the Daleks have made their way onto level 3. Everyone dashes out real quick to see how far away it is. A section of the ceiling collapses on Agela, so that's two of the Movellans that have now been taken out. The Doctor, real quick, touches Agela's hand, which is still visible from under the uh, rubble, and apparently tries to take a pulse. He turns to Romana and says, Romana, I was right. <laughs> and we're like, right about what? <laughs> because the Doctor doesn't tell you anything! <laughs> no. No. And then, as the second episode ends, the camera cuts back to Davros... His fingers begin to move, and his artificial eye lights up, and Davros awakens. And we go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> using your line there. <laughs> and that's how episode two ends. And it's a great little ending. They, they've they've really started to, to get really good with the, the episode cliffhangers, <laughs> especially with this one. Episode three, of course, picks right up where it leaves off. As Davros begins to monologue about the resurrection has come, as I always knew it would, and he begins to leave his room while the Doctor re-enters, and they sort of run into each other, and Davros recognizes the Doctor immediately. This is where I noticed differences, and I, mm -hmm. I've brought this up to you before. Because I watched the episodes back-to-back, -back, I immediately noticed that it was not the same voice for Davros. Yeah. Um, it is a different actor. Yeah. For this story arc. Uh, he pulls off the physicality and stuff pretty well, but the voice is close enough that you probably wouldn't have picked up on it had you had a really long gap of time. But watching... Like them, five years, like it, like it was? <laughs> <laughs> watching them back to back, it's, yeah. it's noticeable. And it might not be noticeable to everybody, but for somebody like Jason or myself who picks up on those little nuances of the voice and stuff because, well, he's better at it than I am. But we both like to do voices and stuff, you know, uh, but it's you have to be able to hear those little subtle nuances in order to be able to do that with your voice. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, for one picked up on it almost immediately that it was not the same actor. Um, right. Which is kind of interesting because later when they changed the actor again, it sounded like they had gone back to the original actor, even though it wasn't the same actor because he did such a good job uh, copying the voice of the first actor. Yeah. So we can delve more into the Davros's actors when we get another one here in, <laughs> into the mix. But yes, it, it is a different actor. The voice is, di is definitely different. Uh, it, it is designed not to be seen, as you said, back to back right. uh, with Genesis of the Daleks. Which would have uh, made it not obvious at all. Right. 
right. You know, like like, like I said, that this is nearly five full seasons later mm-hmm. um, in the series. We've we've gone from the fourth Doctor's first season in season twelve, and now this is the beginning of his fifth season with season seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been quite a bit since we've seen the Daleks and Davros, right. for that matter. And so with that sort of time, and even if you're just doing a watch through, you know, you you hit you know about four plus seasons between right. the two story arcs you're gonna you know lose a little bit of the the fine details of, of right. what davros was like uh so it is designed more to follow that sort of linear line mm-hmm. uh, with the doctor than than to just jump from davros in genesis of the daleks to davros and destiny of the daleks. I, i'm only bringing it up because if somebody does what we did and decides to watch them all back mm-hmm. to back. Uh, I just wanted them not to be like completely pulled out of the episode. Right. You will notice the difference. It, it's a good, it's a good portrayal of the character. The character is all there. The specific execution and elements are slightly different though. Right. And you will notice it if you do it back to back. I think Genesis of the Daleks Davros is a little bit better but this one isn't bad. It's just different. Well, he's a little more intense, you know. In Genesis of the Daleks, right? Yeah. He's a little yes. more intense in Genesis of the Daleks. Yeah. Before the Doctor and Davros can really, you know, fully uh, engage in their their reunion here, the Doctor grabs Davros's chair and starts pushing him through the <laughs> underground city to escape the Daleks who are on their way. I almost expected him to start going, keep away from me, keep away from me. (laughs) The interesting thing is Davros says almost nothing this entire time that the doctor is pushing him around. You you almost Uh, wonder if he's still halfway out of it. uh, Yeah, I I wonder if he is. I I, I would think he is. He's still rebooting. Yeah. (laughs) And since the doctor is pushing him around, he's going, okay, I can reboot the rest of my other systems while you're doing this. I don't have to worry about (laughs) mobility. Um, I don't know. But uh, the Daleks find the room. They see that uh, it has been disturbed and they find footprints in the dust and they start following the doctor and his party uh, tracking down Davros. The doctor finds a, a room at the far end that he has Romana and Tyson barricade them in. Commander Cheryl has gone back to the Movellan spaceship earlier, and so it's just these three and Davros at this point. Uh, there's a window at the end of the room that opens up onto the the ground outside, probably due to the destruction of the city, since they are supposed to be on level three. But he sends Romana and Tyson uh, back to the Movellan ship to let them know what's going on. The Doctor has picked up an explosive device from his visit in the Dalek control room earlier, and he starts fiddling with it as an insurance policy as he and Davros begin to have their little reunion discussion. He calls it life insurance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Davros, of course, asks the Doctor about the Daleks' accomplishments. And, of course, the Doctor says, yes, they've spread across the galaxy, you know, ruining lives, you know, the destruction. And Davros says, this is only the beginning, and the Daleks have only just begun their conquest of the cosmos. Um, <laughs> and this, Davros is, this is where my favorite line comes in, you know. 
do you want to get into the favorite line before the Daleks show up? Yeah, this is this is where he says the doctor says, "I'm sorry, what were we talking about?" And he says, "Your ultimate destruction." He says, "Oh no, we talked about that last time." Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just love that because the, it's the same scenario you have uh, where uh, you have it with the seventh doctor and with Capaldi uh, is when he just starts poking the bear with the stick you know oh yes <laughs> oh yes let's of course, just we'll... see how far we can take him before he finally explodes you know yes, <laughs> yes of course we'll get to the seventh doctor who has one of the <laughs> best interactions with davros ever <laughs> we still have to get through a couple more first but the daleks of course barge in and they find the doctor and davros and they threaten to exterminate the doctor. But of course he says, you know, if you kill me, this bomb goes down in Davros's chair and boom, bye-bye Davros. And of course <laughs> Davros does not appreciate the cavalierness of which he says it, but <laughs> tells the Daleks to back off. Davros turns to the doctor and says, and how will you get out of it this time, Doctor? And the Doctor says, wouldn't you like to know, Davros? Wouldn't you like to know? He turns to the window and says, wouldn't I like to know? Um, <laughs> yeah. The Daleks. I love the fourth Doctor. He's a big kid. He is. <laughs> <laughs> the Daleks bring a bunch of prisoners down and start killing them off in order to have the doctor release Davros. And this sequence unfortunately has another example of horrible acting by extras um, <laughs> because the the two extras that the Daleks do kill die very horribly. Um, they just sort of sit down uh, rather than fall dead. Um, it looks better on the special edition version because they do the the whole I can see your skeleton thing with them and you know so it does look more dramatic and stuff on that. And if you watch a couple of the actors during the whole the rest of this scene uh, in the background that uh, and I'll point <laughs> out this in a second is that in a second but it's horrible acting by extras. The doctor says, okay, 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 fine, I'll do it. They're the, the cosmic Nazis, right? Well, yes, they are. But the, the Doctor's two conditions to give Davros back are as follows. Release all the prisoners and give me a minute to escape. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I'll blow Davros up. The Daleks say that those conditions are unacceptable and the Doctor's logic is faulty and therefore uh, <laughs> impossible for him to actually follow through on self-sacrifice. Uh, and that the exterminations will continue. Davros says, wait. <laughs> the doctor's logic is impaired by irrational sentiment. He will do what he says. <laughs> Comply. I still don't think at this point that Davros knows that the doctor can regenerate. I, I think that uh, he really believes that the doctor is willing to do whatever it takes, regardless of whether or not he dies. Although I think if a Time Lord gets blown up, <laughs> I kind of get the feeling that regeneration is essentially pointless. Maybe. <laughs> because if you got, you know, Doctor over here and Doctor over there, you can't really regenerate a full Doctor back together We again. saw an entire Tenth Doctor 
come back from a hand. So <laughs> that was well. No, the two of them. No, no. <laughs> we should not have made this back in. Um, oh my gosh. <sighs> we'll get into that later. I love Donna, but that was a weird situation. Um, we'll anyway. talk about that episode in our in our Dalek episodes anyway. So yeah, yes, as we get there eventually. <laughs> I'm just saying it might be possible. I don't yes. know. I mean, it, it's possible. <laughs> I think unlikely is closer to the truth. Um, as the Daleks uh, release the prisoners, the Doctor attaches the explosive to Davros. This is where. I have issues with the extras because there's a shot of the Daleks sort of backing off from the prisoners in order to allow them to leave. And there's one guy sort of smiling and nodding like, oh, this is great. We're getting to go free. And then they go to pick up their dead. And there's one guy in the front as they are running out with their dead to leave the underground city. And there's one guy in the front who's just grinning from ear to ear like, oh, we're free, as he's carrying a dead body. (laughs) No. 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 Sometimes some people should just not try their hand at acting. (laughs) Maybe... Zaphod Beeblebrox made a cameo appearance? I don't... (laughs) (laughs) We did talk about Hitchhiker's Guide earlier. (laughs) But it was just one of those things. That scene, to me, sticks out to me every time I watch it. Because, you know, for those who don't know, I want to be an actor. That that is my my dream. That's what I want to do for a living. (laughs) And I see that, and I'm just like, that is horrible... (laughs) <laughs> That's a horrible choice to make as an actor. Yes, you're happy to be free, but you're carrying a dead body. You shouldn't be grinning and sort of laughing that you're on your way out uh, at the same time. The look they, on your face should be more like, oh, crap, I'm getting out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, better get out while the getting is good before they change their minds. Right? <laughs> um, the doctor then tells Davros that uh, all he has to do is squeeze his sonic screwdriver and the bomb will explode. And so he's able to escape out the window. And as soon as he leaves the uh, the room, Davros, of course, turns to Daleks and is frantically ordering them to remove the explosive. <laughs> the doctor gets far enough away, turns back towards the ruins and uh, activates his sonic screwdriver. By that time, the Daleks have the explosive. And they blow up rather than Davros. And see, now this reminded me of those couple of moments that we saw in the past with the Third Doctor, where he did that one thing that we would assume would be sort of undoctor-like, mm-hmm. you know, because he was straight up going to murder this guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I figure he probably assumed that Davros would have the Daleks take it off. Um, <laughs> well, then he straight but, up murdered the Daleks then. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, and we'll back up a little bit, when the Doctor is first talking to the Movellans about the fact that they're on Scarrow mm-hmm. and that he knows about the Daleks, Commander Cheryl asks him, 
So you know about the Daleks? And the doctor says, oh, do I know about the Daleks? And he gets <laughs> very dark for a minute. Yeah. And this is where, like, like you said, um, I, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but this is where we really start to see the doctor's hate mm-hmm. for the Daleks really begin. Yeah. I mean, we, I think, I think Genesis of the Daleks is really what makes him realize in his mind, the Daleks are in, are unsavable. Yeah. You can't change them. They're incapable of, of anything other than destruction and hatred. And and in Genesis of the Daleks is when he really gets the idea that there is no way to stop these things except by destroying them. And so we are now seeing that mindset has festered for a time right. and is now reemerging with the Doctor himself here. I would and agree. We'll, I would agree. And 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 we'll see that grow and see that fester and and spread throughout his being like a cancer. Because by the time um, he gets to the seventh Doctor, it's really showing. Oh yeah. Know. And then of course we get Christopher Eccleston with the ninth Doctor. Yeah. And he's you know almost literally foaming at the mouth, yelling at yeah. this Dalek. But which is why I liked how the 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 war doctor fit into that it was because it seemed like a good blending between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't quite to the point where Eccleston was, but he right. was almost there. Yeah, Romana has returned to the spaceship and learns that the Mavellans are not all altruistic. Agela has used her weapon to knock Romana out. The Mavellans are testing out a Nova device that will uh, essentially turn the atmosphere of Scarrow flammable in order to destroy it and kill all life forms. That's some straight-up Dalek stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> Tyson has is still outside the Mavellan ship, and he meets up with the Doctor uh, because he has uh, lured a Dalek off from Romana so that she could make it back to the ship. So they meet up, and they find a Mavellan scout. Uh, who is threatening them in order to get them back to the ship. The Doctor deactivates her. Yes, that is the correct word. By removing a power pack from her belt. I thought he told Romana later on that that was kind of where their brain was located. I'm not entirely certain. Maybe it was. Maybe both. I don't know. Maybe both. It's like a power (laughs) cell slash brain thing. Because that's what the... We'll get into that later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the doctor pulls open the, the scout's shirt in order to reveal, yes, the Mavellans are, in fact, robots. This is another race of robots similar to the Daleks. And it's like, oh, things are starting to come together. But in order to catch the Doctor, the Mavellans are now using Romana as bait. They have attached Romana to the Nova device and sealed her and it inside an airtight container. And he's very intrigued by seeing both Lan and Agela uh, back and not dead. The Doctor sends Tyson away to try and, you know, gather up what prisoners, former prisoners he can in order to uh, form some sort of resistance, and he goes to try and open the container as the timer continues to tick down, which is where the third episode ends. Like I said, they're they're 
<laughs> working really well on their cliffhangers this story arc uh as the doctor tries to uh, open the, the container that Romana and the Nova device are in, he's knocked out by a Movellan who has snuck up behind him with one of their weapons on low power. The timer ticks down to zero, and it turns out it was not armed. Agela didn't arm it because they were just trying to catch the doctor, and it would have been pointless. Uh, that, there's your robot logic for you. Um, <laughs> see, a supervillain would have said, nope, we're going to blow her up anyways. Um, just because we can. Exactly. That's what Davros would have done. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why Davros is my favorite <laughs> Doctor Who villain. <laughs> <laughs> He's just ruthless. He'll do it. He, he'll, he'll, he will like just kill somebody just to be killing somebody. You know. Right. <laughs> the Doctor and Romana are taken back to the Movellan ship, and they begin to get the whole story. The Daleks and the Movellans have been at war for centuries. However, it's been a stalemate for two centuries because both sides' battle computers have been trying to to find the best strategy and the precise moment to attack and where to attack and how to attack. But both battle computers have been counteracting each other (laughs) and not a shot has been fired in this war for two centuries. And the doctor goes, oh, congratulations, you've just discovered world peace. I'm so proud. Um, I love that. It's a great it's a great line. Um, and the Daleks have apparently returned for Davros to help them gain an advantage to reprogram their battle computer with some sort of random component in order to gain the advantage over the Movellans. Since the Movellans have discovered that's what the Daleks are after with Davros, they decide the best way to counteract that is to employ the Doctor for the same reason. Employ. (laughs) Yes. Don't you mean enslave? Uh, Well, maybe. (laughs) The Doctor refuses to do so. Davros, on the other hand, is eager to try and give the Daleks the upper hand, and is now researching the entire conflict and how to best uh, do this. He then realizes that the Movellans have captured the Doctor and uh, Davros orders the Daleks to essentially do a suicide bombing run on the Movellan spaceship because their, their weapons will not be powerful enough to destroy the spaceship itself. So he loads up his Daleks with explosives... Uh, They've got a whole bunch of explosives wrapped around them. And he sends them off on this mission to destroy the Movellan ship before it takes off. They look like a bunch of extra strength Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) You remember when they came out in the caplet forms? And they were like red on one side and white or yellow on the other? (laughs) Oh my gosh. They do. Uh, they've got a bunch of giant extra strength, extra strength Tylenol taped around their middle. Oh. <laughs> because the Movellan ship is being prepared for takeoff, and that Davros is still waiting for his uh, ship from the fleet to arrive, which will be another several hours from now. The Doctor is trying to figure out a way to escape when Tyson uh, sneaks on board the ship with a crew of prisoners after 
they have enlisted the help of Lan, who was resetting up the Nova device and preparing to do a suicide uh, activating of that as well uh, to ensure that the Daleks hadn't turned it off. And they did this by taking his power pack slash brain thing from his belt and crossing a couple wires in it in order to make him obey their commands and essentially turn him from a sort of a free-thinking type robot into a, a uh, battle droid that responds only to their command. But using Lan's help, they, they, they launch an, an assault on the, the Movellan bridge on the command ship there and are able to overcome the Movellans and rescue the Doctor and Romana. Uh, the Doctor decides to make a last-minute visit to Davros. So he leaves the ship while Tyson and the prisoners uh, prepare it for takeoff so that they can leave and go home. It's funny, though. He goes out the, the little airlock door, and as it closes behind him, you can hear him from behind the door saying, I shall return! Um, which... Is funny because I think that's an ad lib that Tom Baker put in there and they just kept it. <laughs> because he's already exited, the door is closed behind him, and you can hear him muffled from behind the door saying, I shall return! <laughs> um, I think that's Tom Baker's ad lib that they just kept. Well, he ad libbed all the time. Oh, of course he did. Because he's Tom Baker and he's <laughs> brilliant. I think that's where a lot of his alien humor, so to speak, came from. Yeah. However, as the Doctor is back on his way to the Dalek Command Center to uh, have a conversation with Davros, Romana notices that Commander Cheryl is not on the bridge. Commander Cheryl has escaped. Dum, dum, dum. Dun, dun, dun. So she goes out <laughs> after him. Okay, okay, okay. These are robots. Do they really have genders? Uh, they <laughs> are... <laughs> They are designed to resemble traditional genders. Right. You've got some that are designed <laughs> as males and some that are designed as females. <laughs> and that way they can pass unnoticed for actual humanoids sometimes, I would assume, uh, rather than robots. They're probably more in realism like Ken and Barbie, though, right? True. <laughs> they do resemble more Ken and Barbie than actual people, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm just saying, you know. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, These are the random thoughts that pop into my warped brain. <laughs> it's funny, though, because we get a, a nice little scene where Davros is sitting there in the control room of the Dalek base He's sort of contemplating something, and all of a sudden we hear, Davros! And his head jerks around. And he's like, oh gosh! You know, well, he's Davros. I don't know if his head can jerk around. <laughs> I think his no. whole body has to turn with it. <laughs> yes, he, he starts. He gives a start. Right. And of course, yes, the doctor emerges in the shadows and says, hello, Davros. Because how else would you greet your arch nemesis? Um, I love this. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> mental game of chess. I mean, it really is. Yes. He tells Davros the Mavellans have been disabled, and Davros doesn't believe 
that or doesn't really care because he's going to destroy the Mavellan ship anyway. He reveals the suicide plan that these Daleks are uh, carrying out and says that when they get there, I will be able to detonate the explosives from here. And of course, <laughs> the doctor goes, well, what happens if I detonate them now? See, this is the part that I thought was kind of funny because this part reminded me of classic Bond villain where he tells him everything that he's going to do and in doing so tells him exactly how to foil his plan. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, however, the doctor heads for the button and it's a great shot because the doctor has crouched down in front of the Davros. And so we've got this shot over Davros's shoulder looking at his little control panel in front of him with the doctor crouching in front of him getting ready to hit the button. And behind the doctor is this Dalek that's coming out of the shadows. And as the doctor is reaching for the button, all of a sudden there is this loud grating, Do not move! As the Dalek, right. you know, comes out and sticks his gun in the doctor's back. <laughs> I see that the one thing that I think would have made that shot even better is if you had, you know, how the modern Daleks have the blue light at the end of their eye stalk. Oh, if if yeah. you had seen that blue light fade in from behind him right before the voice, I think that yes. would have been so dramatic looking, you know, that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been cool. And so, of course, the Doctor now has to figure out how to deal with this Dalek before he can blow up the other Daleks. Romana has tracked down Commander Cheryl to the Nova device. He's trying to activate it now. But in the attack, he's been damaged and his systems are going all out of whack. Well, see, he's robotic, so he's not really worried about sacrificing himself. No. Because he's, his brain's probably backed up somewhere, you know? Right. But he's all out of whack. His systems are, are not functioning quite properly, and so he's ending up crawling the last distance to the Nova device before he sets it up. Uh, Romana, you know, tries to, to get it away from him. She kicks his arm off. That was cool. <laughs> yes. That was so she kicks, cool. <laughs> she kicks his arm and it comes off. Um and they get into a slight tussling match before she's able to remove the power pack brain uh, from his belt. And the cool, and shut him the off. cool thing about the way they shot it, too, <clears throat> was when the whole scene was over, it shows him laying on the ground. And you see his arm off in the distance, laying off at, at a weird angle. And then the Nova device passed that. You know, so you catch everything that happened in that scene all in one shot, and then there's Romana laying in the middle, like trying to get up out of the dirt. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's been able to to turn off the Nova device right. and and <laughs> save Scaro. I'm not sure that was worth it, but we'll find. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, you know, when you look at ep you know episodes further on down the road, you're gonna have to wonder was you know was it inevitable or what? You know, right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, Davros and the Doctor are in this sort of stalemate, listening in as the Daleks are reporting that they have engaged the, the prisoners in a firefight. Mm -hmm. Prisoners, of course, aren't much of a match for the Daleks, even with the Movellan weapons that they've picked up. And they are fleeing the ship, 
in basically a fighting retreat. You know, you would think, though, that they would shoot at the bombs that the Daleks are wearing. (laughs) You would think, but then again, (laughs) these are prisoners, and they're probably just trying to hit the broadside of a barn at this point. (laughs) I'm guessing most of them aren't soldiers. I'm Um, just saying, you know, tactically, (laughs) that would be what I would aim at, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, aim at the big giant tylenols that are on the side of their body and see if they blow up (laughs) yes well the doctor feigns resignation about the whole thing and stands up to walk away going oh my davros you finally won he then tosses his hat over his shoulder and it lands on the dalek's eye stock and the dalek of course starts panicking and says cannot see cannot see and starts you know Rotating back and forth, firing randomly, once almost again, killing Davros in the process. Once again, a perfect place where they missed out on putting, keep away from me, keep away <laughs> from me, because it's a flashback to the first Doctor. Uh, yep. <laughs> the Doctor then grabs one of the last remaining explosives in the control room, plants it on the Dalek, and sends him careening down the hallway with a wave of, bye-bye! Before the Dalek blows up. Uh, almost blowing his hat up in the process, but he manages to salvage that. I thought that was funny, too. He's got this dead alien in the corridor that he just blew up himself, and the only thing he's concerned about is, oh, I ruined my hat. Yes. <laughs> but he turns back to Davros, who is trying to cover up the button. Uh, the doctor grabs Davros's hand in what looks initially to be a slight game of arm wrestling, and then he lets Davros's hand go, and Davros's hand smacks down on the button, detonating the explosives prematurely before the Daleks can actually uh, get close enough to the Mavellan ship to do any damage. Thus endeth the danger. The wrap-up scene is the Doctor and Romana sending Davros off with Tyson and the rest of the surviving prisoners, Uh, in their custody to be cryogenically frozen and taken to Earth's end trial for his crimes. Hmm. (laughs) The Doctor and Romana leave the ship and return to the TARDIS where they clear away the rubble and manage to get back inside and take off again for adventures unknown because they've got the randomizer engaged. This is where I thought it was funny because... The doctor explains to Romana that the only way that one side could have defeated the other side is if they turned off their logic and just did random stuff, you know, and she's like, so what are you trying to say is, and he says, yes, you have to make mistakes to throw off your enemy. And she says, oh, kind of like you. (laughs) Yeah. And the look yes. on his face was priceless. <laughs> it was. He looks at her like, what are you trying to say? You know? Yeah, what are you trying to say? <laughs> oh. And then they get in the TARDIS. It starts to leave. And then it reappears. And you hear her say, not that switch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And then they dematerialize again. Successfully. And there we have it. That's Destiny of the Daleks. Oh. Now, 
<laughs> as we'll see going forward, this sets up a lot of what comes later with these Dalek storylines uh, for the classic series. There's a lot that goes on with Davros and the Daleks moving forward that this sets up. Well, see, that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of our episode. There are aspects of this, and 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 I I do I do like the story. I do enjoy the story, but there are aspects of this story that literally feel like that they are simply there to a bring back Davros and b set things up for the future. And it 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 is sort of a setup story. It's a fun one. It's sort of a, a nice little romp. It's like I said, it's more lighthearted than Genesis of the Daleks is, but I do like it. it it's mm-hmm. a bit more fun, and the Doctor gets a lot of little action and witty comments right. that he gets to throw in at Davros and the Daleks' expense. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know how like Avengers Two had a lot of setup stuff in it, mm-hmm. you know, and also let's be honest. Uh, Spoiler free, Batman v Superman has a lot of setup stuff yes. in it, you know? Um, yes, it does. And so those are, even though they're standalone stories, they're also intended to be setups for building and expanding on the universe. And this is sort of the same type of story, which is fine. It's just, there's just little bits and pieces that I guess didn't really in my mind further the story in this one encapsulated incident hmm. uh, okay because they do have they do have relevance on things that happen later and that type of thing but it's just it it almost felt like we're just going to sprinkle this stuff in here just to be sprinkling this stuff in here even though it doesn't really have bearing to this overall standalone story well, the standalone story is essentially the return of Davros. Right. I mean, which is fine. It's a it's a nice little story, and we, uh, and it is essential for moving forward. But like I said, I like it. It's a, got a nice, nice little nostalgic place in my heart, and I overall, it, it, it's one that I like returning to for uh, fun reasons. Right. Right. I mean, this was much lighter, in my opinion, than the one before it. Yes. You know, um, the tone of Genesis uh, was almost as dark as you could get as far as overall tone. Now, like I said before, uh, visual tone, it wasn't as dark as some of the stuff we've seen in the new series visually. But story-wise and thematically, it was darker than a lot of the stuff we see in the new series. You know? Yeah. Um and I think that might be one of the things that I like about it the most is not that it's a dark story, but it's that it just, it works so well mm-hmm. in, in, in the, the, the theme of the story. And I think this does too. I think this works really, really well in the theme of the story um, because they brought it up just enough to make it a lighter story, but not enough to like turn Davros into a joke. Right. Uh, and I think you have to know right. where that line is, you know, to, to still take this stuff seriously, but, you know, change the tone enough to get your point across as to how you want the story to be told. Right. So, um, as we wrap up our discussion on destiny of the Daleks, uh, how, how many Daleks would you rate this storyline? See what I give the last one. I give it nine and a half. 
I think so. I think so. Uh, I'm gonna say, let's say maybe, maybe a seven and a half. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll say seven and a half for the non-special edition, and maybe an eight for the special edition. Okay, do that because I think the special edition fixed a couple of the more hiccupy spots. Spe- you know, special effects. Yeah, um, like some of the death scenes and stuff like that, where they they went back and put in the really cool, you know. I can see your skeleton death ray shots and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. I think that added a lot to that. Okay. Partly for the story reasons, and again, partly for nostalgic reasons, I'm going to give this an eight. Um, I, I really like destiny of the Daleks. Uh, if you're looking for a little bit more of a, of a fun doctor versus Daleks romp, this is your story. Doctor versus Davros. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that too. <laughs> and like I said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight, uh, just because I I, I love it. I, I really do. This is one of my favorites uh, for nostalgic reasons. But enough about me and my nostalgia. I've said that way too many times <laughs> uh, this episode. So uh, moving forward, our next Dalek story will uh, not be with the Fourth Doctor. No, we'll be moving into the only Dalek story that involves the Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison. Yeah, I think this is. I think we may just want to motor through the rest of these classic Doctor Who Dalek story arcs before we we take a break for anything else. We we may change it up. Or we're still talking about it, but I think specifically because the next three stories have so many connecting ties to each other, yeah. I think it may be good to get that all done in succession. So mm. we're probably gonna just hit the next three. Dalek stories <laughs> going forward, and then we'll we'll throw in a different episode or two before we hit the new Who Dalek episodes. Not because we're trying to like drive a dividing wedge in between the two or anything like that. We just want to keep it fresh for you guys. Exactly. But our our next episode will be Resurrection of the Daleks. I believe is the name of the Fifth Doctor story arc. Give me one moment. I will confirm <laughs> this. Well, I went blank on it, so. It and considering that I made graphics for all of these, you'd think I would remember the names of all of them, you know? (laughs) You know, sometimes. (laughs) Um, And yes, it is Resurrection of the Daleks. uh, Is is the next one? So we've had Destiny, and now we will have uh, Resurrection. So hope you look forward to that one, Uh, but. If you want to respond to anything about Destiny of the Daleks, if you think it's not that good compared to other Dalek story arcs, or if you really do enjoy it, uh, go ahead and uh, get in contact with us. You can do that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TalkingTimelords. You can tweet us at at TalkingTimelord, or you can email us at TalkingTimelords.com. Of course, check out our website, TalkingTimelords.com, for the entire list of our previous episodes, it is one of the best places you can get all of our information as well as links to our social media. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can also see the great images that Paul puts together for each of our episodes. It's also the only place that you're guaranteed to have every single one of our episodes. Yes, indeed. So check out our website, talkingtimelords.com. And of course, please remember to leave us kind reviews on whatever 
uh, podcatcher you do use to get our episodes, iTunes, Stitcher. We really do appreciate that. And it really does help, guys. It helps to get our name out there so that we can have more uh, listeners and build a bigger community. All right. Uh, any other final thoughts, Paul, before we wrap up this episode? They should have done more with Canine on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than just giving him laryngitis. I'm the just saying. <laughs> because, you know, I, I was really... He's my favorite companion. I really love to see him in these episodes, even if it's just for minor scenes. And he has absolutely nothing to do with any of these Dalek episodes at all. (laughs) So I don't even get to talk about him on the show. (laughs) And my voice is changing at 42. (laughs) My, it, it was actually funny. Uh, I was taking my son back to his mom's yesterday, and he kept saying, Dad, I don't know what's wrong with my voice. <laughs> he said, it just won't sound right. He said, it just keeps messing up. And I'm like, son, 13, it's going to happen. But it just, I was, call- what's wrong with it? I said, son, it's going to last for about a year. Just get used to it. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> This, my friend, is what is called puberty. Exactly. Welcome to the most awkward phase of your life. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And with that, I think we will end this episode of Talking Time Lords. (laughs) We're not transitioning out of that one. There's no way to segue back. Uh, so, but this has been episode number 35, <laughs> Destiny of the Daleks Story Review. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope, Horflung hopes, and dream impossible dreams! Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Exterminate! <laughs> you are an enemy of the Daleks. You will be exterminated. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that was funny. <laughs>